Welcome to the Daily Grind Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Colin Morgan. Listen, are you tired of not living a fulfilling life? Do you believe you deserve more? Do you want more? Is it finally your time? If yes, then stick around. I welcome you to the Daily Grind. Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Now, I'm super excited to talk to you about this company. HelloFresh is the number one delivery meal kit service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients, so all you have to do is just cook, eat, and enjoy. It's honestly that simple. So I got to tell you, ordering from a meal delivery kit like this, I was skeptical because, you know, I like to cook. I cook all the time. And I was just skeptical that the ingredients and the recipes that I were going to get weren't going to be as good as I would want them to be. And I was completely wrong. These blew my mind. First of all, how convenient and easy it was to actually put together the meals. Um, the best part was there's no waste. So they give you predetermined amounts. So you know when you go to the grocery store and you're looking for, say, celery, and you have to get that whole stack of celery and it ends up just being in your fridge and going bad? You don't get this with HelloFresh. So it saves so much food from going bad out of your fridge. The next part was is just how great it was to have some new fresh recipes because I seem to always get stuck in the rut and I'm sure a lot of you too, you kind of eat the same thing every week. You know, you fall into this rut of having the exact same ingredients and I absolutely love to cook. Cooking is one of the things that, you know, I find uh, real passion in doing. It gives me a place to kind of decompress, put on some music, have a glass of wine, cook. I really, really enjoy it. But During weekdays, oftentimes I'm really busy as an entrepreneur and we don't feel like cooking after the long day of work or we look in our fridge and we're missing ingredients and we don't want to go to the grocery store. So what do we end up doing? We end up ordering a pizza instead. This just makes it super, super convenient to get ready, fresh meals sent to you. Whether you're a vegetarian like me, there's different, there's a pronto plan, there's family plan. There's honestly something for everyone to love. It's it's really easy to put together. You get really fresh meals. I absolutely love it. Can't stress this enough of how amazing this company is. 
So if you're busy, you hate cooking, or you hate going to the grocery store, tell you right now, go to hellofresh.ca forward slash grind right now. You'll be so glad you did. Again, that is hellofresh.ca forward slash grind and enter grind. You're going to get 50% off your first box of HelloFresh, 50% off. This is an amazing deal. Again, everyone, that is hellofresh.ca forward slash grind. Enter grind to get your 50% off for your first order. Today's podcast is brought to you by Talkable. Talkable is changing the way companies acquire and retain customers by quantifying and accelerating the oldest marketing channel ever. And my favorite, word of mouth. They don't just build refer-a-friend programs. They make sure that they're successful. Talkable helps e-commerce companies grow through targeted referral programs, leveraging insights from your customer's behavior. You're going to get 10 times the ROI from a referral program out there. You're going to ensure that you hit your sales goals next year and you have a referral program that is tailored to your business. Referral programs out there are the best way to grow your business. I can tell you from experience here on the Daily Grind, this is how we built the podcast. This is how we built the brand is 100% through word of mouth referrals. Talkable out there makes it super simple because they're the most advanced referral platform on the market and managed plans come with a dedicated team of experts to optimize your program. All these plans have an advanced A-B testing suite, so you can test everything, whether that's a $20 bid or 25% offer, to how the referral program is messaged to new customers. You can see detailed customer insights with an advanced reporting suite to understand how customers are interacting with your referral program. This is amazing, guys. Be sure that you guys check out dailygrind.talkable.com where you're going to book a free demo and see how this amazing company can benefit your business. If you have a business specifically in e-commerce, give this a shot, guys. I'm telling you, it's going to absolutely accelerate what it is that you're doing. Again, dailygrind.talkable.com. So that's spelled T-A-L-K-A-B-L-E, dailygrind.talkable.com. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today on episode 446 of The Daily Ground, we're joined by Mr. Chris Kappas. Chris Kappas loves trade shows and is here today to share with you why. Chris is a three-decade C-suite exec who is president, CMO, CSO for the largest exhibit marketing organizations and published author of two books about how to optimize trade show performances. He is the founder and CEO of Exhibits Hub, the first sharing marketplace for trade show exhibits called the Airbnb of Exhibits. This online marketplace was launched in February and helps exhibits save time, money, and the environment of borrowing and sharing exhibits. We share homes, cars, workplaces. Now we share exhibits. Everyone be sure you have a pen, piece of paper, sit back as always, and really dive deep in today's interview with Mr. Chris Kappas. Enjoy. Well, Chris Kappas, welcome to the Daily Grab, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, my pleasure. It's uh, I've been thinking about you and uh, really enjoying your episodes, so thank you. 
Absolutely. Well, uh, excited that you're here. And uh, just to start off, Chris, for some people listening, being first introduced to you, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of speak a little bit more of who you are and what it is that you do. Okay, sure thing. Uh, my name is Chris Kappas, and uh, I'm an exhibitionist. Um, I say that with a smile uh, because I've been in trade shows for well over three decades. And you know, trade shows are a little bit like putting on a stage show, right? You have actors, you have sets, and you have, uh, you know, a story to tell. And so, uh, anyway, I started out in the exhibition field um, three decades ago. Um, really learned it from the ground floor. I uh, worked with a number of major exhibition firms as uh, CMO, CSO, and president. And most recently, uh, decided, you know, there's there's some issues in the exhibition field. Um, you know, the obviously the expense continues to go up, attendance uh, is down, and the question I often get is, well, geez, why are trade shows still relevant? So I, that's what I'm here to talk about today is is why trade shows should be continue to be a a part of a key part of your marketing mix, and hopefully today I'll offer some some ideas about how to uh, how to optimize uh, your performance. I love it. Well, let, let's jump right in because I mean I'm super interested in this. Um, I mean, you said that it's kind of you know, very expensive, more people aren't getting into it, but you should have it in your marketing plans. Explain why. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, look, we, we, we live in a digital world, um, but when it comes down to it, when you're in the business world, when you're buying capital equipment, you don't buy it online. You buy it after a face-to-face -face meeting. Um, typically, you know, you're, you're at a trade show or you're out in the field, right? So, uh while digital certainly has its place, and and certainly that's part of the business I've launched uh, eight months ago as it relates to our industry, the, the the still the value proposition of trade shows is strong, and and reason about forty percent of most corporate budgets are are allocated to trade shows. So, you know, part of the reason for the for for my being zealous about trade shows is look, it's harder to get in front of customers today than ever before. I mean, think about all the calls. And the strategies you're going through to meet and, and make co connection with a customer. What other marketing medium is it that the customer comes to you? There is none, none other than a trade show. They're coming to you. They're spending their hard dollars to go to a show. They have a problem or challenge that they're there to solve. So you're in a really good situation if you're prepared to optimize and really leverage that that selling opportunity. But there are some hurdles. And, you know, that's uh, we can spend a little time talking about what those hurdles are for for many exhibitors. Yeah, let's let's talk about them. Explain what, what the hurdles are. Yeah. I mean, when you think about field selling versus trade show selling in the field, um, you know, you are nurturing a relationship that um, takes takes quite a bit of time. So if you think about as, as you know, you're calling on a, on a customer um, in the field, you may be able to call on two to three a day. Whereas in the in the trade show world, you you can you can uh, process and, and meet with that many on an hourly basis, right? So it's a highly efficient way of optimizing your selling time. But the challenge for many companies is they're taking salespeople in the field that are accustomed to a longer sales cycle, you're accustomed to time, and you're putting them in an environment where it's rapid fire. You know, every five minutes or more, uh, you have a customer coming to you. They have a problem. And so it's the process of being sure that you're highly trained to qualify and to process that opportunity and not think you're there to sell. You're there to, to really, in my mind, you have two ears and one mouth. You're there to qualify 
if if the time is permitted, you certainly can go into into the selling process, but that's better done in the field to be candid. So where a lot of companies kind of misstep is they think I take a salesperson, I put them in the trade show exhibit, they're certainly uh, acclimated to sell one way, and now I'm putting them in an environment which is rapid fire. They default to what they know best, which is to sell. So what happens is that a lot of that qualification process doesn't occur or doesn't occur thoroughly. So that lead then that is processed into the field isn't isn't as comprehensive as it could be. So you know, trade shows get a black eye oftentimes because boy, look look at all these leads I have, but when they're thrown in the field, guess what? They're not highly qualified, and they're not highly qualified because there wasn't enough enough preparation of the sales force preparing the sales force to know. Listen, you're here to qualify to listen, not so much to default to your sales skills. So does that make sense? Yeah, it's a lot more about creating and and sort of establishing that relationship first as opposed to just trying to like speed date so to speak in terms of selling yeah yeah you're there to obviously you know we have to understand that the person coming into your exhibit they they first of all will will in the course of a day visit about 18 exhibits yeah they're not going to visit everybody so they're coming in to you with something on their mind They're, they're they're seeking out you because they saw something in your description or your pre-show marketing that gained their interest, right? So they're coming in now with, with, with something, you know, that's troubling them. So the first question I think you should ask is what brings you to the show today? That begins the, the open ended questions. So now you have them talking and now it's what, what is, you know, what, what are you currently using? What do you like about what you're using or what don't you like? What is your what is your your do you have budget allocated to make a buying decision? Um, what's the timeline for that? Who else is involved in those conversations? So you have the opportunity to to synchronize really all those key things that the salesperson in the field needs to know. So when they go in, they're prepared to know where not only who the buyer is, what their buying cycle is, who else is influencing the sale, what the budget is, is the budget allocated, so on and so forth. So think about how long it takes you in the field to assess that. Right. Yeah. So here you have the opportunity in a matter of five minutes. That's the standard amount of time that most most uh, attendees will spend in your exhibit. If you're going to a capital equipment show, it might be a little longer because there might be a demonstration. But the point being that, you know, it, uh, uh, the most skilled salespeople will be able to quantify that information very quickly. How important is equipment or let me rephrase that the sort of the aesthetics of your exhibit because in an exhibit you got like a station right you can design it how you mm-hmm. want you can put your how important is that well uh, you know there because it's a it's the physical embodiment of a brand there's a lot of attention given to it but here's the thing an exhibit never sold anything it, it's the people and the connection that's made and you know, again where where i think uh exhibitors can can shift a little bit of their focus and I like to think of it as you have to write the play before you design the set. You have to write the play before you design the set. And what I mean by that is oftentimes people get get um, fixated on the look and feel of the exhibit, and certainly that's important. But before you even get to that place, you have to decide what is that that circumstance, what is that sales process that's going to occur in the space, and what are the tools, i.e. props, you need to affect that connection you're making with that that person coming in, right? So if the exhibit is designed around the activity to support the salesperson, then that's a highly effective exhibit. 
but we've all seen exhibits that look great but don't really function real well, yeah. right? Yeah. So so it really is kind of you know you have to begin at the end, the outcome, the strategy to get to the outcome, and then the tools to get to the outcome. So it's you kind of have to step it back. And what happens is that so much emphasis is on the exhibit that you that oftentimes it's very hard. You lose sight of hey, the exhibit is nothing more than a sales tool, an expensive sales tool, albeit. But it's even more expensive if it's not designed around the activity, the selling activity. How many people optimally should be running running the booths? It depends. I mean, okay. you know, the, the rule of thumb is two people, two, two salespeople per ten foot, ten, 10 feet of space. So, you know, you can do the math. If it's a twenty foot space, you probably have four people. Yeah. Now, here's the key. You know, th th they're on shifts. You know, you don't want to have everybody working full time all time. You know, you need to give everybody a break, uh, and you also need to, you know, even before the the event, you need to do some, some uh, what I would call some some training, some development, uh, skill building, around the time they're in the space. So it's 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 knowing your audience coming in, knowing some open-ended questions that'll uh, break the ice, having some icebreakers that will you'll be able to get someone to stop it in the aisle because obviously what what happens at trade shows people are looking at their phone right they're they're not always looking around okay. therefore you have to kind of break their concentration so how do you do how do you do that so you need you need an icebreaker so it's two people per 10 but that 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 scales out and and then you know you got to think about it if you have a bigger space uh, you know what is the mix of people you need in the space for example you may have a salesperson you may need a marketing person you may need a technical specialist you may need an engineer you may need uh, the CEO right so it's creating a, a microcosm of your corporation <clears throat> representative within your exhibit so that as, as, as they come in, they're touched by who they would touch in a, in a sales situation or if they came to your facility. Got you. How, how do you determine like which events are best? Like say there's a business owner who mm -hmm. is, has done it before, maybe thinking about going into exhibits or like, I don't know which ones to go to. What should I look for? How do you know how many people are going to show up? Like, how do you determine which one's the right one for you? Yeah, good question. You know, you know I, I, I think that um, the smartest thing you can do would be to walk uh, once you identified a few shows that are maybe in your market. And, you know, there are some websites that we can offer up for doing some of that preliminary research. But it's to walk the show, walk the show, talk to the other exhibitors, uh, talk to, to thought leaders, talk to show management, find out more about the the demographics of the show. And, you know, what are the what are some of the key industry trends or, or issues that everyone is facing? Right. So so when you make a commitment, think about it, an average exhibit, you know, it, it's really in, in, in terms of budget in thirds. The exhibit space, if you take the exhibit space, let's say it's a $10,000 space just for the concrete, you're going to have to multiply that times three to end up with what that overall cost would be for the show. So if it's a $10,000 uh, space, you're going to put probably $10,000 in the exhibit. You're going to put another $10,000 in the services. So you're making a $30,000 investment on a 10-foot space, and that's a big number, right? So you know, so my point is you really have to do your homework in advance and to understand that that's the best use of your money. And is it typically like 30 K? Is that like an average? It, no, I mean, it would vary. I mean, you know, the Depends smaller the spaces size, obviously yeah. are less. Yeah. And, and you know, some companies, I mean, look, everybody has to be, 
and, and today, with floor space having gone up 300% over the last decade, the, just the concrete, that's that's eating away at the opportunity. While, while 40% may be the overall corporate budget allocated to shows, if, it, it doesn't take long when you start to peel away that onion of what you have left to put on that show floor. So, you know, you have the exhibit, you have travel, you have entertainment, you have all the services, you have dredge, you have a lot of things that come into creating what that budget's going to be. And so, you know, it just goes back to being certain that you're in the right show and having done your homework in advance. Got you. Is there like a certain specific type of industry that you would recommend? Like if you're in these industries, you need to be in trade shows and you've seen maybe some that like stay away from trade shows. Well, it, 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 it it's going to vary. I mean, there are our industries just, just to kind of give you a, uh, from a reference, uh, a decade ago or more, the National Hardware Show in Chicago was the largest trade show in North America and it attracted 60,000 people. That show today um, is not what it once was. It, it's a fraction and it, it went away for a while and it's since come back. But the reason is what drives trade shows is is the um, the demand. In that case, the the there was a hardware store on every corner in North America. And therefore, there was a built-in audience of, of hardware owner operators that needed to order order supplies for their store, right? Well, guess what? All those mom and pop hardware stores are no longer. There's buying groups, and the buying groups have really consolidated the buying industry. Therefore, it doesn't make a lot of sense to host a trade show when you're there, you you may you may only have ten to twelve buying groups that actually uh, buy from uh, or provide. Um, buy from that that industry. So the value proposition shifts. So that's the hardware show. Now you take a look at Consumer Electronics Show. That tracks 150,000 people in Las Vegas every year. It's the largest show in North America. Does anything get sold there? No. What? Why do people go to that show? They're there to see what's new. They're there as an exhibitor to promote their CEO and their new products. Uh, CEO might be the keynoter. So, so that's a mature industry that has that recognizes that the value uh, for the exhibitor is less about selling, uh, true taking orders, and more about promoting products that hit the news wires and hit you know Wall Street Journal and hit New York Times and so forth, um, and, and and allow them to get free promotion for their new products and services. Right. So, so those are two very contrasting uh, trade shows. However, if you look at the medical industry, medical shows represent about 50% of most trade shows in North America. And they're, they're, in, they're called congresses. They're a little different, right? Yeah. Well, the, the reason those are so popular is because doctors have to be um, receive their credits and to continue to practice their medicine. So you have a built-in audience of doctors coming in to, to learn about the latest procedures and or products. And therefore, you know, those shows continue to grow and, 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 and they're very healthy. Finally, if you're a startup or a VC, take a look at the craft, brew, craft beer industry. Those shows are booming. Why? Because distribution, there's new distribution, there's new stores opening up. So it's very much a supply and demand equation, right? Where there, where there is demand, there's going to be supply. And when there's supply, there's going to be demand, right? So they have to work together and the healthiest shows kind of find that balance but where there's a mature market, like I'd mentioned previously with CES and with the National Hardware Show, 
the, those those shows have to have to reinvent themselves and be and be relevant to a new audience and a new distribution strategy. That makes a lot of sense. So, is all that making sense? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that depending on the industry, I think it could be a great. I think for maybe a, a startup, um, depending on the amount of money, like it, it's all dependent on the amount of money, though, right, Chris? Like maybe for a start, they can't That's spend thirty right. k; right. they can spend two k. Um, but just looking at is that two k better spent here? Is it better spent there? I, I think it makes sense, and I, I do see a huge benefit in face-to-face right like that's where events that's where mastermind groups that's where still people put together like these these events where thousands of people show up they work because people still want to be in that face-to-face personal setting yeah exactly and and there's other soft i mean the math has got to work in a lot of cases but there's other reasons to uh to feel good about shows right it's a great place to introduce new products great place to recruit personnel you can monitor and research your competition all in one place. You know, media exposure is huge. You can build team camaraderie uh, among among your staffers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, it's an opportunity to demonstrate leadership. Uh, if you're looking at an acquisition, it's a great place to shop. And or if you're looking to be sold as a business, that's a great place to to find a buyer. Right. So, you know, there's there's the hard hard science of trade shows, which is the math and the math having to work from a sales perspective. But there's also the soft side, and and that's that's the side that you know a lot of companies oftentimes either forget or um, maybe haven't thought about. Do you see? I mean, being the expert that you are in this and, and haven't worked in this space for a really really long time, do you see that there's going to be a resurgence in this industry? You know, I I, I think it, it's I, I I wouldn't say we're we're in a down period. We we are trending along GDP. Okay. Um, and. You know, if, if, when a recession hits, we're the we're the last to be hit by that because generally those budgets are, are approved in advance of. So you know, we're the last we're the last to enter and probably the last the last to come out of it. You know, um, so you know we do see some some uh, attendance figures that are a little lower, largely due to tariffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and 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 due to consolidation of uh, mergers and acquisitions, if you will. So I think that that has had an impact. But again, you know, you look at at where digital fits into the sales strategy and where face to face, they're they're very different. You still you're not going to buy a bulldozer, you're not going to buy a, a machine tool, uh, injection molding piece of equipment online. You know, it, it's too big yeah. of a purchase. There's too much risk, and you're going to want to make a face to face connection. And there's and it's a long sales cycle. So I think you're going to find in digital the sales cycle. Oh, if, if it's a short consumer product, then digital makes sense. But when you get into a, a B2B space where the, the sales cycle and the price point of that product is so huge, and, you know, let's face it, if you're buying a piece of capital equipment and it's $100,000, $200,000, whatever the number is, yeah. there's risk. There's risk, and you're going to need to have more people than just yourself weigh in on that decision. And therefore, the trade shows really come into play uh, in those circumstances. Totally. So for for you, I mean, you've been in big trade show companies. Um, you're an expert in this. Like, what are you doing now in the trade show industry? Well, uh, thanks for that. You know, having said all of that, here's what I believe. There's just too much friction in the exhibit process. There's too much time and resources that are allocated to exhibiting. There's too much expense associated with creating new exhibits when thousands of them sit idle uh, months at a time. And there's too much environmental damage produced, uh, shipping exhibits, 
and all the waste produced by by shows. And there, frankly, there are too many companies excluded from exhibiting due to expense. So with that in mind, I launched in February uh, a new company. Think of it as an Airbnb for exhibits. Okay. And the, the, the name of the company is Exhibits Hub. And it's designed to basically make exhibiting easier, faster, more cost-effective, inclusive, and environmentally more responsible. So not unlike Airbnb, it's a, it's a platform where you can go up, you can reserve exhibits in key exhibition cities, have them rebranded for you locally by a top exhibit firm, and deliver it show-ready um, within that city for a turnkey all-inclusive budget. So I'm trying to remove friction from the process and and friction and save exhibitors a lot of time um, that typically goes into planning and exhibition activity. Gotcha. So essentially, I'm IBM. I need equipment. There's another bank that's in Florida that already has everything I need. I can use their stuff, rent it, rebrand it for me for that show in that area. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, exactly. And and it's rebranded for you by a top exhibit firm. These are all members of Exhibits Hub. Yeah. And therefore, we don't we don't have to you know essentially uh, cut down trees, take natural resources to create something that may be maybe suitable, right? Yeah. Uh, they're going to be you know obviously IBM is going to be very uh, focused on you know having a an exhibit kit that that can scale across all the different business units. So they may not be call it the ideal uh, uh, customer or, or someone that would tap, tap this, but there are plenty of companies out there that, that say, Hey, look, I don't, I don't need an exhibit to sit around. I, I, yeah. I need something for me that can be quickly branded, gives me a great look and feel it's custom. Right. And, and I can get it turnkey all inclusive and I don't have to worry about the pricing, you know, that later on it is what it is. Yeah. So, so that's the, the the value proposition. And how did you come up with this idea? Like, I'm like obviously you've been in the industry for a whole bunch, but were you seeing that people were starting to get frustrated with like, I I want to do this, but it costs so much money to create my own stuff to ship it back and forth. Like, talk us through that. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it. I mean, you know, shows are are complex. There's a lot of moving parts, and. You know, I've been thinking about this for a while, you know, having been obviously an exhibition firm that designed built exhibits and strategies. Um, and I realized that, you know, uh, and, 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 you know, I've been kind of a student of the sharing economy marketplace. And, you know, I've, I've, I've probably read every book out there about Airbnb and and, you know, how they evolved from being what's called the, 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 the dumbest, smartest business idea ever. Um, I mean, who would have thought you'd, you know, be willing to open your door to your home to a stranger you don't know yeah. and say, hey, here's the keys, you know, enjoy, right? I mean, so in my mind, there were some thresholds of consumer uh, adoption that had to be crossed in order for this model to, to even be considered. And so, you know, so in my mind, I saw Airbnb, I saw Lyft, Uber, WeWork. I mean, the list is fairly long. Now, those are primarily business business to consumer uh, commitments, right? What 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 I'm bringing to market is a business to business commitment, which is different because it's a business. It's not, you know, there's a little more um, uh, involved in making that exchange occur versus, you know, reserving a, a a room or a home on Airbnb. Yeah. So so, but it first had to be something that 
consumers accept it. And when you consider that Airbnb is now uh, surpassed Marriott and most number of rooms booked per per night. I mean, who would have thought That's that insane, a eh? company that doesn't even touch it, yeah, it doesn't even touch a bar of soap. Uh, how how is it that they've been able to do that, right? So I got to think that that you know marketers are looking at this, going, you know. I may not like some of the exhibits on the site. I may find one that's close enough. And guess what? I don't have to spend all this time and money getting capital dollars to build something. There's something that's good enough for me to use. It's a three-day event. Bam, I'm in, I'm out, I'm on to my next event, right? Yeah. So so it's really about you know, uh, being uh, environmentally smart, being budget smart. Uh, being brand smart. I mean, there's a lot of things that that I think this helps address. It's not a perfect model, but I'll tell you something. From the feedback I'm getting and and so on and so forth, I think people see it as a as a viable uh, just a disruptor, uh, not in a negative sense, but in something that um, saves saves the environment. And, and and God knows, you know, climate change. You know, you you, you kind of be blind to not recognize that that you know the environment is is we got to protect. Hundred percent. I think it's something that's super important. Listen, Chris, if people wanted to to connect with you, um, follow along on your journey, learn more about Exhibits Hub, where's the best place everyone could go? Yeah, thanks. You know, look, I love talking trade shows, um, and I'm here to help. So they can reach out at, uh, to me at any time at uh, ccapes, c k a p p e s at exhibitshub.com. I think it's in the notes. Uh, it'll be attached here. They could certainly ring me on my cell, 312-919-5544. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm accessible. Awesome. And uh, would you be willing to do a 15-minute a call with an Inner Circle member? Sure, absolutely. Awesome. So uh, if you're a business owner out there, uh, part of the Inner Circle group, you want to learn more about exhibits, what they can do for your business. I mean, Chris is the guy. So what we'll do, Chris, is I'll reach out. We'll find someone here within the next month, and uh, I'll connect with you about a, a calendar and scheduled event. Sound good? Yeah, yeah. And whether or not they end up using exhibits, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I'm an evangelist about 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 exhibiting, right? So, you know, if, if I can help it, it be a good experience for for that person. Great, you know, if it, if it results in a, in a booking. Great, you know, either yeah. way. Perfect, awesome. Well, we'll set that up. And uh, now, Chris, the way we end the show here on The Daily Grind is uh, we're going to give you the floor and you have the opportunity today to share with the audience a thought of the day. So one thing or one thought we can all go home with today. Hmm. Yeah, not, not, I told you to throw me a few curveballs. I, I, <laughs> I guess I wasn't expecting that. I guess I guess I would say that, you know, when you're, when you're thinking about uh, trade shows, um, Think of, be sure that you write the play before we design the set. That's the key. Uh, the set is important, but the, but writing the sales strategy and the plan in advance of is even more important. Amazing. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule, coming on the show here and sharing your wisdom with the Daily Grind audience today. My, um, hey, thanks for for you know giving me a, an opportunity to chat with everybody. Thank you. Of course, everyone, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure you subscribe to the podcast. Drop us a comment. Let us know what you liked. Also, share this out with a friend. We'll be back tomorrow with another amazing episode. Until then, Colin Morgan signing off. And always remember to keep on grinding. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. I do this for my town. I do this for my crowd. So turn me up real loud. My time. Yeah. My time. Yeah. None of you people yeah. can tell me to stop.